Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, fa-la-la. It's the Christmas episode with all these people in short sleeves in Louisville in April and May <laughs> doing Christmas. But it was very festive. It was very desserty. Um, there is a gift exchange. I do not understand it all, um, which you will explain to me. Yes, I but will. But a lot going on in this episode. So uh, let, let's get started. Big impressions from you. Yeah, I think uh, the 
the fact that there was the the, the midnight dessert, uh, I can't think of anything that would start off great. The law of diminishing returns applies here, Kevin, where, uh, hey, uh, I've, I've had a couple drinks. Uh, 13 desserts sounds amazing. And then by dessert, what, two? Uh, you're feeling like I can't do this anymore. So hats off to everybody who, who ate 13 dessert dishes at 2 a.m. Probably would have to run like six marathons the next day just to work it off. But hats off to everybody who cooked at like midnight after wine i'm in bed most nights yes. at 10 like what a, like what a downer to have this lovely dinner with eric repair and and beautiful wine and a lovely setting and then be thrust into the conti- kitchen with like 13 other people fighting over like oven space at 145 in the morning yuck i'm surprised that there weren't any hospital visits and or arrests made that was rough. Yeah. Um, we yeah. will talk a little bit later about my misgivings about dessert-based challenges and sort of what I think is a very exceptional skill that I, I wouldn't say is unfair, but I just think is sort of a different animal than what these people on the show are, are, are sort of there to do. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, the quick fire, I need, I need some exclamation, um, Tom. I'm very confused. I've watched the episode twice now. <laughs> Um, I, I am not a Gentile. I, I grew up in a Hanukkah household and didn't really even like know Christians until like I was 13. So like I just I, I would you explain yes. to me and I'm, I'm a good yeah. system guy, as you know, I, it, I am an INTJ. I'm, I understand I'm, systems. I'm surprised like, you, you didn't get this. What is yeah. going on with that? What, what is that? So How does it work? every every year with uh, my Indiana, uh, Kentucky, uh, Kentuckiana, if you will. Uh, that's a real thing, by the way. Um, those who are on the Ohio River just is that the, like across. Like Pennsylvania in, in Orange is the New Black? Yes, exactly. Okay. It's it's kind of a merging of, of cultures of, uh, you know, there's right across the Ohio River, there's Indiana, Jeffersonville, uh, New Albany there. Um, and is the capital, what is the capital? Of Kentucky. Of, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is it Evansville? Is it Louisville? Like Cincinnati? Yeah, Evansville. Like uh, my, my father-in-law, he, he worked at the Colgate factory, like the Colgate HQ, which was in, I believe, in Jeffersonville, right across the Ohio River. But he lived in Louisville, grew up in Louisville, went to UK, uh, stayed in Louisville, still lives in Louisville, um, and he just worked across the 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 Ohio river there. So, um, you know, there is like when you go and watch TV on the local channels, there's ads for the Kentucky Anna Ford, uh, motor dealership. You know, it's, it's just this thing. Um, so the, um, so at every summer when we get together for like the family lake house, uh, week, we do a white elephant exchange, like a gift exchange. And I didn't understand this. And as someone who grew up in new England, the same location, roughly the same region as Brian. Um, we never called it. I never knew what this was until about like college when I started meeting people outside of New England. And I never heard it being called a Yankee swap. And it's kind of a derogatory term for, I mean, if you're from Boston, like Brian is, and you call it a Yankee swap, he says it's a mean spirited gift exchange. Uh, it, it, it makes sense that he would call it a Yankee swap, uh, given the rivalry, rivalry between the Red Sox and the Yankees. So what happens is you draw out of a hat, one through however many people are in your group. Let's just say there's uh, 15 chefs. They drew knives. You think, Kevin, here's where the, the switch is. You think getting the number one pick is a good thing. It is an awful thing. That means you are going to be bullied. You are going to be just crushed. Everything you thought you owned is going to be pilfered from you and your soul is going to be slammed to the floor. So I think it was – was it David who got the number one pick in this? Uh, I, I believe so. Yeah. I, I, I was so confused. So if you if you have the number one pick, you choose whatever you want and you have this glimmer of like, yay, I get to have – in a, in a white elephant exchange, everyone brings something to the table and then they put it on the table. And if you have the number one pick, you're like, ooh, give me the, uh, uh, the Amazon Echo. And you get the Amazon Echo. But the second pick has the option to steal your – your Amazon Echo from you, and you, as a as a uh, a common folk, one seed, you can't do anything about it. You have to give. Well, what up do your, you get? Then you go back to the table. You go back to the drawing table and pick something else. But here's the catch: Do you pick something that you want? 
Or do you pick something that you know no one else wants? And so you do this little bit of game theory in your head where knowing that anyone can steal anything that you grab, you might not want to get your favorite thing on the table. So what you do is you pick something that you know you value more than anybody else but probably isn't the most valuable item. Right. So you want to pick something that you know that – Maybe no one else. You have like this little quirky obsession about, um, I don't know, Monopoly cards. And so you go get that. And you know no one else is going to go get that. So David uh, has the option to go pick the, like, the coolest thing out there, the, one, the batch of ingredients that is going to be the best. But then you're just going to get it stolen from you every single time. So the third pick can steal from the second pick or the first pick. Or they can go get, if they don't like those two other things, they can go back to the table and get whatever they want. The person who has the most valuable position is the person that picks last. Because that person can survey the entire array of ingredients and boxes and say, I want that, I want that, I want that. And you have no worry about someone stealing it from you. So White Elephant Yankee Swap is like a draft in reverse is the best way I can describe it. You want to be the last pick. Now, uh, remind me. God, I'm so confused. Did everybody know what was inside the box? Not until later, right? You had to just sort of guess which person did the best job in their box. Yeah, you, I think there was this uh, this kind of unknown, this little uncertainty. If you were just tunnel vision, just put the blinders on. There's a there's a horse reference there. Uh, if you put the blinders on and you just focused on your ingredients, you might be at a disadvantage. And this is where the little uh, gamesmanship cup in, comes into play. If you're chatting it up with people, hey, what are you doing or what are you doing? You might kind of know a little sleuthing about what's in their box. So I think... I think they were not totally transparent. Like this is what's in this box or that box. And Kevin, but they were all fighting. They saw what each other grabbing. Like, and, and for instance, if you knew you wanted some Asian profile flavors, you know that Nini sort of has been focusing on that sort of stuff. If you know, like, like Brandon's been a guy who's sort of like, I'm going to do dishes based around red meat. You know, you're probably going to be sitting with some kind of ribeye or, or, or strip. And I'm guessing something. Kevin, okay, right, right, right. I'm guessing Kevin announced to the group that I got five different flowers and no eggs. So, Um, so here's the other thing that's interesting, Kevin. Um, I told you, uh, my, my in-laws are from Louisville, Kentucky. They brought me a hard copy. You can hear it. A hard copy of the Louisville Courier Journal. Okay. And they are covering the behind the scenes, top chef. Oh, no Episode by episode. So here's a little snippet. I want to read it to you from the, the latest Courier Journal from Friday, December 21st. That's yesterday. Recording on a Saturday. Lindsay McClave. Um, special to Louisville Courier Journal from the USA Today Network writes, while the table is reset, the chefs are pulled off camera and given a detailed outline of the challenge itself, allowing them to, a chance to ask questions about the dish, which this is about the quick fire, which is something I had always been curious about as a viewer. In fact, each chef is asked to sign a document indicating they are in full understanding of the challenge. This allows far more time to conceptualize the dish they're tasked with, making than what would appear on television. In this case, their best holiday dish. Even so, they only have two minutes to shop in the top chef pantry with no access after the time is up. So, I don't think that they knew what was in each box but there is this gap of time once they're told what the uh quick fire challenge is they have this little like break area where they go and they do the legal work where you're able to ask any questions and sign an nda or whatever it is that i won't dispute this quick fire challenge i had no idea about this oh there's all kinds of stuff on reality show productions <laughs> um they no i mean they, they do a wonderful job and, and actually there's i wrote a piece for slate in 2004, I was a writer on a, rea- a competition reality series on Showtime called The American Candidate. And basically a bunch of common folk run like run for – are going to be in a, essentially a primary running for president. And the challenges are exactly what you, you would think they are. You have to go sign up volunteers and canvas and whatever. And I was on uh, – Montel Williams hosted the show and I was – uh, for several weeks, Montel Williams writer. So, you know, all that stuff that Tom and Padma say, now, I don't know though, though they're so polished. They might very well just yes. be ad living it. Who yeah. knows? But like, but the hello contestants today, we're going to talk about the, one of the great fundamentals of democracy, you know, which is blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> I was the guy who wrote that. But what's really interesting is, so what I did for slate was I was so fascinated when I was on the production of the lingo, like there's all this reality show production lingo. 
uh, whether you're talking about the editors, um, whether you're talking about the producers, the, the, the talent wranglers and um, like like a word like sequestered is the time in which they basically isolate the candidates or candidates, the contestants. Yeah. So that they, they just can't learn anything. I mean, and and they're sort of uh, just just removed. So uh, that 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 was I have to like, you know, I have to bring that link up. We don't we need a website so we can like put this stuff um on but but if i did write a, a slate guide to reality show lingo so yeah there's so all this kinds doesn't of surprise stuff that you that, that like there's this they have i mean because i would imagine there might be some disputes of like hey i i didn't understand you said cheese but like does milk count as cheese like i'd imagine there are some like gray areas in the challenge so i'm I, this makes sense that they would try to just kind of square all those questions away so there's no like at the dinner table like wait a minute this was this I didn't know we weren't supposed to use a fork. So, uh, so the quick shires, once they get what they get in their box and it was very unsatisfying to most people because they just grabbed a bunch of crap in, in two minutes and some of the boxes they got Yankee swapped. Laugh- yep. Right. A lot of the boxes were just laughably like ill suited to preparing anything worth eating. But, um, but Nene, David and, and Sarah finished at the top and, and Sarah I was very happy about because she wanted to, you know, essentially do a play on chopped liver and um, which is a Jewish delicacy. I know there's a Jewish delicacy. It's a Jewish standard bear. Like like there's always I grew up with just chopped liver prepared by the matriarchs of my family uh, at, at pretty much every like holiday or, or notable event. Um, and it was usually kind of an appetizer to put out in lieu of what would now be in the culture like hummus and carrots. It was sort yeah. of the, the dip that was put out. And and I think if I'm correct. Schmaltz was used on this episode for the first time spoken as a word. And it, it makes me so happy because Schmaltz <laughs> is chicken fat. And it's Schmaltz is just Jewish chicken fat. It, it is what's left over, the grease uh, when you roast a chicken. And if you're a good Jewish bubby, you like save that shit the way Southerners save bacon grease and you cook with it. And, you know, and actually when you make chopped liver, Schmaltz is kind of what gives it that moisture, which kind of, you know, you mash up the li- the, the chicken livers with the schmaltz. And I was so happy to hear the word schmaltz. Now, she, of course, used pork fat to which uh, Padma said, if I got this dish on Passover, I'd be very happy, which was such this beautiful uh, expression of unintentional irony. Because <laughs> Wait, can you can't... imagine getting a dish prepared with pork fat on Passover? <laughs> So, so that was kind of <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the quick fire part of the the show. That's great. That's great. And uh, and Sarah um, finished in the top three. Yeah, she uh, she's from Paducah, Kentucky, and as she says, it was she loved uh, growing up in Kentucky as a Jew or in in uh, in in Paducah because she just got to eat a whole bunch of fried foods, and she says she was the only Jew in Kentucky, which which prompted me, Kevin, to look this up. Is like, where does Kentucky rank on the uh, Jewish population, percentage of Jews in their population? And it turns out they have the 36th fewest, by, by percentage of population, the 36th fewest Jews in the, in the state of Kentucky, um, ranks 36th in America. And you growing up in Atlanta, um, huge population of 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 jews right there in atlanta uh yeah atlanta metro atlanta now has well over 115,000 jews um so yeah atlanta is a very jewish city but um relatively speaking it's not like new york or boston but um but actually no i mean jews came to paducah Let, let's just go, let's go with this they were they were in 1859 there were 11 jewish owned businesses in paducah um and oh, hey. uh, some of the, yeah, some of the earliest Jews to arrive in Paducah were Morris and Abraham Lowenstein. OK, the and, and Leopold Claw, which would be a great name for a basketball player. Leopold oh. Claw yes. or a fastballer or a knuckleballer. Leopold yes. Claw. Um, I, the Paducah population is 25,000 people as of 2016, Kevin. And according to this uh, virtual library, Jewish virtual library, there's 0.26% of uh, the state of Kentucky uh, in, uh, residents are Jewish. So I did the math. I extrapolated a little bit. 25,000 times 0.0026 equals 63 Jews in Paducah. Sixty-three, yes, and they have a, they have one congregation, Temple Israel, 
And uh, so, yeah, there, there, there is. Uh, so she, 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 you know, speaking in hyperbole, she yeah. probably was the only Jewish kid at most functions. Pretty but, much. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So Paducah, not a center uh, or a cradle of Jewish life in America, but one with a Jewish history. Um, so David's leek pasta. Moving Look. on, <laughs> juxtaposing to completely incongruent thoughts. Um, <laughs> David's leek pasta. I love when people can make like noodles out of shit that shouldn't be noodles. And uh, apparently the judges were equally impressed. Guy, you give the guy leeks, he makes leek pasta. David is is such a dark horse in this thing. Like like what is happens? He even dark horse anymore, Tom? No, I well, mean, well, my question is, Kevin, if they're saying, "Hey, make a protein dish," is he at a disadvantage because he is so good at making dishes uh, that have no protein in it? And it's like, hey, this I don't think this is going to work. And then it's amazing. Um, dark horse? No, it, it, by no. points, I think he's second um, at this point. So I mean, I'm gonna put it to you right now, Tom Haberstroh. Okay. I gave you one pick right now, $50,000 if you pick it correctly. Who's going to win this tournament? Do you have anybody over David Viano? Oh, yeah. Nini, Nini win for sure. For okay. sure. All right. And, All and, right. and you know what? That might be a, a little bit of Homer bias here because she is on my team. And right now she's the, the top vo- uh, point getter on my team. But uh, I, I'm still I, – I was that was my second pick, Nini, and I stand by it. Um, no, no, it's listen, a great pick. And, and but, she, uh, but know, David is is a juggernaut and someone who has a crush on everybody, um, apparently. He's yeah, really, yeah, like, yeah. He is. Uh, he, he was sort of obsequious um, uh, in, in, in a somewhat uneasy way with um, both Blaze and um, and Brooke. I don't think that's but, a good strategy, right? Like to, to I mean, I don't know. People like, love to for their, someone. like to have their asses kissed. I mean, we'll have to ask Richard Blaze. We get him on here. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. Like, do, do, does flattery get you nowhere? Um, but uh, one of the things I really loved about Nini's quick fire challenges, I'm a big fan of the elevation of white trash dishes. <laughs> and so she does this kind of cream pea, cream cheese, and pepper jelly dip that, like, like one of oh, those yeah. like dips that kind of somebody throws some cream cheese and some other crap in there. And you put out like good old like ruffles. It's when you, you know, go to a Christmas party and you forgot to get something. So you go to Trader Joe's real quick and you just grab something. And it's and yeah, it's, Trader Joe's has done a nice job of elevating like some of the white trash. I mean, the ultimate, of course, is like pimento cheese dip, which you see everywhere now and is always mm-hmm. delicious um, mm-hmm. because what's not delicious about pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. But but I do love Holy, kind of the yeah. elevation of like 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 goopy crab dip and that spinach artichoke gunk you see places um, you know, jello molds of, of various sorts. And so she took and she said, you know, this was something she kind of ran across at one of her first American friends houses. And you imagine Louisiana, exactly the kind of place that would produce some cream cheesy gunky appetizer. But like the thing about those those white trash standards is they're always really freaking delicious and kind of a guilty way. So so she may do with that and she served it with apples and, and you know, finishing the top three of the quick fire more, more Nini just mastery of, of, of this show right now. I mean, she is just she is on fire. Yeah, like I, I think you would not trade David for Nini and I wouldn't trade Nini for David. I think uh, I think we're very happy with with the the captains of our team right now. Yeah. And those are kind of, I think, I think the two clubhouse leaders right now, if Jimmy Shapiro were to send us the odds of who's going to win top chef 16, I would imagine they would be the top two. Would they not? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, I feel pity for those who like, like Brooke and, and, uh, and Richard had to wear like heavy Christmas sweaters in May in Louisville. That doesn't sound like fun. No, but I bet they they pump the AC in there. I mean, I guess the great thing about the South, as you know, like, and having grown up in the South, like, there's nothing like southern air conditioning. <laughs> um, like you walk into a place and it is 70 degrees cooler than it is outside. Um, bottom three, uh, Eddie, actually, who I've sort of been of the opinion is kind of a mistake free chef who can pretty much make do with anything, made a, a curry uh, from ingredients from Nini that, that, that the judges did not like. Uh, Justin. Uh, who got Kevin's shitty box of like flour and kimchi? <laughs> what, what, like, <laughs> made- what, Kevin? What? Like, we we should try to get Kevin on at some point and just ask what that what what happened there? Because getting getting five batches of flour without any egg is like is it's like getting um, like lighter fluid, but have nothing to light it with. Like, it's just like, what's the point? Um, he is a, a absolutely <laughs> endearing. <laughs> 
space cadet. Yeah, I, I love the blue glasses what he's going with there, but like it's like, hmm, I have three types of flour, but uh, you know what? That's not enough, Kevin. I need five. And uh, Kelsey did an asparagus bacon dish. I everyone always loved like like I love when I go to a. One of those like authentic yakitori places you always get like oh, the, yeah. the asparagus can be wrapped in bacon and uh, but apparently not just not enough bacon. Uh, someone didn't bring home enough bacon and, and that was that. That's but good. um, but yeah, so uh, David wins for his leek pasta, gets immunity, which he probably didn't need. And uh, the, 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 Plus the three. whole group. Right. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take it. I will take it. Uh, uh, Eric Repair is the star of the sort of wish fulfillment part of the show where the chefs get to do something cool and kind of put down the competition for a second. And they are and, – and, and Eric Repair is sort of like if the Simpsons were – like he, he is a guy who could be a Simpsons character. Like he's so beautifully elegant in his, in his kind of in – his, in his Frenchness. I was just going to say you could say Frenchness. Like I was – you could say Frenchiness, Frenchness. It, it is kind of not a cartoon character, but he is kind of very Simpson where it's like, yeah, that is exactly what I'd imagine the top uh, fine dining chef uh, from France is – his personality, the way he speaks, uh, the, the food that he likes, that he doesn't like and just what he looks like. Uh, yeah, he is very much a caricature. And, and, but like in a beautiful way. And by yes. the way, do you know he's only fifty three? No. Yeah, like 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 Eric Repair is only fifty three. I, I just assume. I, I feel like he when he took over Le Bertin, that was like forty years ago. Like what, like he just what would you he's put such the a standard bear on that. What would you put the over under on him? No, like, no I don't think it's like knowledge. he looks old. Like when you start, when I learned, oh, he's fifty three. I looked at him. He's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he looks he looks good. He, he's a, he, he's a handsome man. He doesn't look like he's in his. It's just like he's such. A standard bearer. It's the hair. I just it's the color hair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he, was he shows up and I'm sure everyone's happy and this is great. And just like when they were just the uh, at Maker's Mark, they're they're giving everyone bourbon. There's got to be a little bit of dread here of like, wait, they're being too nice right now. Yeah. I mean, and then, of course, they pull they get this dinner goes till midnight. They're drinking wine and then. You know, the, the shoe drops as it as it is, it is wont to do on a Top Chef episode and the chefs are told they must be dispatched to the kitchen where they're going to have to make. And I didn't know this. And again, will you educate me again? Is there like I'm sorry, there are like 13 official Christmas. Is it like the 12 date? What is the 13 desserts of Christmas? Is that actually a thing? I always thought it was the 12 days of Christmas, but that might be wrong. Um, 13, maybe, maybe. Oh, oh, you know what it is? I'm looking it up now. 13 desserts of Provence. If you, there's actually, all right, so hold on. There is now, oh, okay. I'm going to read from Wikipedia because if it's from Wikipedia, it must be true. Yep. The 13 desserts are the traditional dessert foods used in celebrating Christmas in the French region of Provence. The quote, big supper ends with a ritual 13 desserts representing Jesus Christ and the 12 apostles. I'm assuming the Jesus dessert is much more grand than the other the apostle desserts. I don't know. <laughs> um, the desserts always number thirteen. But the exact items vary by local or familial tradition. The food traditionally is set out Christmas Eve and remains on the table three days until December twenty seventh. So you're just like leaving that shit out for three days. I guess you you got to be careful with like the ricotta. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, and then there's an entire list. So apparently it's not like there are it doesn't look like there are 13 specific desserts. It's just you make 13 and here are some suggestions, uh, some biscotti, some Yule Law, two kinds of nougat, uh, light thin waffles. I don't know. All this stuff, um, various biscuits. So anyway, that explains that. OK, I'm I, I, there's nothing like doing research during the show rather than. Um, before, no, it's, uh, it's before the very, very Joe Rogan. Um, so let's uh, let's what are we doing here? Um, we've got the they're dispatched to the kitchen. And can we talk about dessert challenges for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's just dive in here. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. 
You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Like uh, I, I mean, feel for Brian. Thought? I kind of feel for Brian. And like Brian says, like I, I, I don't. I mean, yes, you should go into Top Chef with a with a, a a dessert dish in your back pocket. But he says, I, 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 I'm a butcher. I cut meat. I don't have a dessert, and I feel sympathetic to that. Which is, I don't know. It just feels. Um, it feels a little elementary to do a dessert dish for an elimination challenge. Is Especially, Kevin, when you're resigned to being in this little shoebox of a kitchen um, where you're all having to share. So it's doubly unfair in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, so my issue is this. Like, I'm not a big fan of dessert or baking challenges. And, and one of the reasons is that, like baking is so precise. And while I appreciate that precision is kind of part of the challenge, I mean, someone could argue, well, no, exactly. Like, it, it, it's, it's the it's, ultimate it's challenge, right? Yeah. Like, it's a real skill. But I, I feel like it doesn't allow for any like improvisation or whimsy mm. in basketball terms, Tom, I guess it's like, you got to run sets. You can't read and react and there's mm. just no improvisation. And like, you know, I, I just, and because I think so many great chefs, just it's a different category of skill. Um, by the way, it's not a coincidence that the two chefs with real pastry experience yep. ended up uh, among the top three. And uh, so that's my issue. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I didn't. I mean, there's definitely some problem solving that you, you watch while it's going on. There's some amusement at their exasperation. Uh, it's late. So that is interesting in, into itself. But I, I just feel like I'm just not it, there's something always a little unsatisfying about the dessert baking uh, challenges. Um, I, I want to have a I have a couple notes here. I, I did make I'm warning. I'm very much warming to Brandon. Hey, at I, first, I'm with he, you, man. You know, like I, we dismissed him as the designated asshole. I mean, it, two points. First off, his advice has been right every single time. Yes. Like he told Adrian, you don't have enough time for ruled pasta. Guess what? She should have listened to him. Uh, you know what? He told Kevin, your dessert was too salty. And you know what? <laughs> it was too salty. <laughs> it was. Um, and he has a very nice smile. Can I just say? Very nice smile. Okay. Sort speaking of, getting, of which, uh, speaking yes. of which, Kevin, how is he not 3,000 pounds? Who? Brandon. He grew Why? up. His parents ran a chocolate factory, which. Yes, they ran a chocolate like a chocolate factory, which can we talk about the name? Did you did you note the name? It, it was gold. Leo Gold's Fantazzle Medazzle Chocolate Factory. That Love is a it. very Jewy name. 
Leo um, Gold's Fantazzle Medazzle Chocolate Factory. How is he? He was the kid, as he said, he picked off the bad, like, desserts with the bad truffles or whatever it was, and he ate them. Maybe he went through a chubby phase like we all did, but man, like, he has a great Did you smile. go through a chubby phase? Oh, yeah. Kevin, I have so many pictures. I have... Was that like a college was drinking off- too much thing or as a kid? No, no, as a no, kid? no. As a kid, I was an offensive lineman in eighth grade. Um, I was, I was the, I was the chubby kid who was athletic, but like, um, when he flexed his arm, nothing would show it, like nothing changed because I just had so much, uh, blubber there. And I was just always, I was the, I was the chubby kid who no matter how much he ran, it just wouldn't come off. So I, I was the one who was jealous at all the kids who ate like all the, the, the junk food and the, the Dunkaroos and the, and the lucky charms and would never, and they were just sticks. That was me. I was like, no, how I, I eat well and I still can't burn off anything. And then I hit my growth spurt freshman year in high school and then I was fine. But oh. the fact that Brandon, he's totally turned it around and shouts to the magical elves, uh, shouts to Christmas, um, but this, the whole coming off the bat as the villain, and then just doing this little like this little turn, this little turn, uh, to be kind of endearing and you know what, very helpful. Like he is the coach that tells you what you don't want to hear, but what you need to hear. Right. If I'm cooking something on a, for an elimination challenge, and my next door neighbor tells me it's a little salty, like that's very good information. That's information I might want to like, take apart. Hey, that's kind of a dick move. Like, why don't you just tell me, like, hey, here's a. He, it's it's fine. Like just be complimentary, but no. Like Brandon's trying to help. Yeah. So uh, it's uh it, it, it's very funny. Brian comes on and he says at the beginning, "You're supposed to arrive at top, in Top Chef with a dessert in your back pocket." Uh, I didn't have one, and uh, so yeah. he might want to check that back pocket. It, it was probably good advice <laughs> uh, because that yeah. looked just like nothing I would ever want to eat. And I, I tend to be actually the irony is is I tend to be a non-sweet. Like I love those. Yeah, that new trend in dessert with like the hibiscus ice with the Greek yogurt. Like I am somebody who does truly like the, you know, the rosemary olive cake. Uh, I am. I do like the non-sweet dessert and not somebody who necessarily wants the molten lava chocolate, whatever. Yeah. Though I am a sticky bun. Uh, former uh, uh, former Top Chef contestant Kelly Lichen did at her at a restaurant in Vail called Kelly Lichen, had my mom and I's favorite dessert and still our favorite dessert, which is the sticky bun sundae. So that was really sweet. I will get into sort of the the cinnamon caramelly, uh, that genre of sweet, maybe throw a banana in, in there. But but I am generally speaking, not an overly sweet dessert. But that thing he made that included vinegar was just uh, yeah. apparently just really ugly. Yeah, that that's one of those things where um, you 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 kind of are doing too much. Like I'm gonna go for the savory thing with the throwing some vinegar and some acid. And I'm like I don't I can't. I mean maybe there's been a balsamic like garnish that I've had on a dessert before, or maybe balsamic ice cream or something. Well, like balsamic that. in and of itself is sort of. I mean, especially like a saba can be really nice. Like. Um, because it has such a kind of a, a concentrated sweetness, even though it is technically vinegar. Yeah. And he, um, I think he, uh, he ate this one, like he owned it and he was like, I just, you know what, this isn't my forte. And he got lucky that he didn't get voted out for this dessert dish. Um, it was, yeah, it was very it funny didn't to look appetizing. It sure wasn't appetizing when they tasted it. So he got lucky that Kevin was there. Yeah. It was funny to hear Justin's comments, which very much echoed. You know, ours. It's just like he's not a dessert guy in general, and and I, yeah. I, I'm I'm not not a dessert guy. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I really love a good dessert, but um, but it was funny. I, I know like a lot of my male friends just not dessert people, and Justin's clearly one of those guys. And his cheese plate conveyed his lack of enthusiasm <laughs> so boldly that I was shocked he didn't end up on the bottom. Because like, was there anybody in that kitchen who was less enthused to be making that than 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 Justin, who what? just like doesn't even regard dessert as kind of a proper part of the food pyramid and in, in, in chefology. I did see him pour like a bunch of makers, but I can't tell if he was putting it in his dish or whether he was like, I'm just going to get drunk while I do this. I, I, I think I think the latter is is, is a good prescription and very likely. Um, <laughs> what, what was there Pablo was a, doing, though? What, what's Pablo doing? I, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm just sort of like Pablo, as you know, was a very high pick for me. Yeah. And he has done nothing, nothing 
that dish looked the first terrible. Episode. Yeah, that to do anything to suggest that he's going to be around for you know much longer than MLK Day on this show. Like I, I don't like it, it's I, I'm you know like his I'm I'm almost out of the road. He's almost Jabari Parker for me at this point. Like I, I don't know what to do. Do you um, want Brandon for him? Straight up. I mean, no. And while I wow, I, I think you I, you almost did it. You almost did it. All right, this is a who says no. All right, so I I do have a little crush on Brandon. Okay, um, all right, here we go. Jade, put on the music, the, points, the, the tense but, music, the tense music. Kevin, are we in right, a trade me, negotiation right now? Let me ask you. Let me throw it back at you. Okay. Can you name one dish that is distinguished, Brandon? Uh, <coughs> yeah. The uh, Bulgogi Did he finish bowl. like in the top three of a quick fire last week? I can't remember. Yeah, the Bulgogi Bowl. The one that went to, oh, the Bulgogi to, bowl. to, to went your all the girl. Way to, the- to your girl, Gail. Yeah. All right. But it was a Bulgogi Bowl. Yeah. But um, um, but look, you just said there's no chance that Pablo's going to be uh, through. No, I said I'm concerned. Okay. But let's not forget, this is still the same man who made a tilapia crudo with green apple vinaigrette, sweet potato bourbon puree, and togarashi chips okay all right you're so, gonna hold like, on to that like and you're gonna it, so, okay all right so i'm gonna, I'm gonna make the dead? case all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna convince myself that i'm not worried which is look there's been a lot of weird fucking shit in the first couple weeks food for pregnant ladies like quick fires where you have to basically use a thimble and like like old lays potato chips and some fl- almond flour and make something good uh make dessert even though these are chefs like, like, so, so the, the argument for sticking with Pablo and, and maintaining my confidence uh, in him that made me draft him in the, in the, in the early rounds is there has, this has been a little weird start to the season in terms of the actual challenges themselves and their parameters, right? We haven't really seen them stretch their legs since the first episode, just make some freaking food. You don't yeah. have a lot of limitations. You're not fighting over fucking lemons. You're not like, <laughs> like stoner food or pregnant women sharing 18,000 ovens yeah, or like yeah. seven one one oven for or, sorry like 30 yeah. people yeah. And, the other way and yeah. you can't even make a macaroon god forbid um so i'm gonna say that I'm, I'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stick with i still think pablo's best cooking is ahead of him but i am getting concerned um you know who i'm not concerned about i'm not concerned about eddie money no and no i'm going with unsteady eddie that's who I'm going uh, let me with. Tell you Unsteady Eddie. Let me tell you something about Eddie. They, you know, Eric Repair comes in and he looks very panicked. <laughs> and you know what? That man is going to panic his way to the friggin' final episode, you know? Because this is what it, this is the formula. He's going to be a live wire. He's going to be completely incoherent, have an absolute panic attack. And then lo and behold, he'll turn out one of the two best tissues on the table. Like that's what's going on. Like – his his dessert looked like something so up my alley because, I mean, I think the answer to dessert is a fruit, a nut, an herb, maybe a cheese or a cream. You pick three. You make the texture interesting and voila. Boom. So like what is better than strawberry, almond, and fennel as a combo? You like, know what? Just I am out on new. fennel. Get rid of fennel. I'm or is out. it like cilantro quality it's, it's, out? No, it's not on that level, but just the whole licorice black licorice taste of fennel. Oh, fennel's nice. No. See, you that's, like an- so you don't like anise or any of that? No. So like Eddie, Eddie, I, I call him unsteady Eddie because not only does he seem like uh, he's 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 about to – uh, just curl up in a, in a fetal position on the ground and just and it's appropriate so, fear, Tom. Appropriate no, yeah, fear, like s- Greg Popovich says. Yeah, okay, but he did get in the bottom three in the quick fire, so it's not like he's he's blowing the gasket yeah, every time. He was every making something time. from a damn box he didn't. Pick okay, so uh, uh, so that that dish didn't do anything for me. Like when I saw it, I thought it, it looked like. Um, Good. I don't know. Uh, strawberry money. shortcake I'm cool with, but the the whole fennel thing, right. another strike against Eddie. But you know what? That's Can, why he's on your team and not on mine. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, other than he screwed his contest, uh, his teammates, but that's that's a different conversation. Um, can we talk fennel for a second? Uh, oh, wait, I wait, had wait, a delicious wait, wait, meal. Wait, wait, wait. We got a we got a a, a a communication, a text message from a contestant this week, Kevin. Wait, but, but I want to get back to fennel. Is just it, is to, it fennel just to give you an idea, just real quick, yeah. when you said about he screwed over his teammates last week, it is true that if you get your um, 
your purchases rung up by the machine at Whole Foods. You cannot go back. You cannot go back. It is a Top Chef contestant. Let oh, us know. So he couldn't have been the selfless. Let me throw three of these racks back. He could not have done it. It's against the rules. Once it goes, it gets rung up. Oh. Which, which Kevin? By the way, I don't, I don't like think it absolves rule. him of any sort of blame here because you kind of have to do the back of the napkin math here and say, look, I'm. This is going to be five hundred dollars. I mean, it's not like he couldn't do the math back there. So anyway, continue. Sorry to interrupt, but that is the official word from a contestant that you do not get the chance to go backseas. So I, I think I mentioned maybe on the show last week, and I've certainly mentioned Good Kind, my favorite neighborhood restaurant in America, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, they do a dry rubbed fennel pollen rotisserie chicken that is my favorite chicken in America. Just a half chicken on a plate. It is so delicious. And I tried – so I had a very good cooking week, Tom. So on Monday night, I had an old friend over and I did the dry rub fennel pollen on a on a lovely chicken um, that I, I get from this uh, chicken farm in, in Missouri because I'm trying to buy non-factory farm foods. And it turned out beautiful. And so that, that was like number one. Number two is – I have been working because it's fall. You know, it's harder to find vegetables, so I'm into squash right now. Uh, I have been making a roasted kabocha squash, and I do a rosemary brown butter, and mm. with and I toast up some hazelnuts and put it in the brown butter with the rosemary at the last minute. Put that on top of this roasted squash, and then a little date vinaigrette that I make with date molasses. And um, mm. and some chopped shallots, just really finely chopped. And this has become a big hit in the Arnavitz Echo Park home. So uh, this is um, – I'm, I'm kind of having a great winter of cooking. Um, but I want to crowdsource a question to our audience if we have anybody in Indianapolis. Uh, my favorite restaurant in Indianapolis is Bluebeard. But I have to travel to Indianapolis in the, um, next week. Uh, to have a one-on-one interview dinner, uh, one of those interview dinners you want to kind of be quiet and discreet so you can't go to a really buzzy place and I might have a tape recorder on the table. Um, and I'm having trouble finding a place in Indianapolis where you can get both a good meal and that it's somewhat quiet and classy and kind of like you could kind of sit at a back table on a Wednesday or a Thursday night and not be um, – you know, kind of disturbed or you, you kind of can be mm. hidden. So if any of our audience is familiar with the Indianapolis food scene, um, I would love to go to Bluebeard on any other night, but it's a bit buzzy and there, it's not very, it's kind of open. Uh, I am looking for that place. Um, and uh, preferably this should be like a good uh, fish uh, item or two on the menu that, that's sort of, quote, healthier Main Man, plate you are game. you are you're filtering this thing down. I know, I know, hard. I know. This is quiet and back roomy and fish and not like buzzy. Kind of, like kind of place that have a piece of salmon or halibut on the menu. Okay, okay. Right, not a place that's like nouveau southern. Everything is thick and whatever. As much as I love eating that way, uh, my guests might not. So uh, anybody who has got knowledge of Indianapolis, um, hit me up at at. at uh, at uh, arnavitzkevin at gmail.com and uh, I'd like some Indianapolis food scene quiet interview dinner uh, journalisty discreet but good and and it has to have enough space on the table for the person to have a a gallon jug of water right and and, and by the way also a place where a a person who's relatively large can sit anyway uh, that's neither here nor there Um, back to the uh, to the dessert challenge um, it was an interesting one. Again, one of those when the greatest critique of Top Chef, I think, Tom, is uh, that, you know, you can never really taste the food as a viewer, right? Like we can sit here and we can talk about whose food we like, but the bottom line is you've never tasted it. And I think with dessert, that's another thing that kind of uh, in terms of the dessert event makes me like who knows if these things were any good. You know, when you eat uh, as a kid – I'm going to preface that as a kid because I haven't done this in a long, long time. So maybe you grow up and things change. But when I got one of those like jawbreaker uh, candies and you lick it, they're like huge. They're like the size of a tennis ball and you lick it and you lick it and you lick it. And then your tongue is just like bleeding from being so raw from all the sugar. Is there an advantage 
to being the first dish chosen by the judges here? That's a really interesting question. Does your palate kind of over after eating 12 other desserts yes. just like ugh. Yeah, like if you're the 13th dish, I don't I don't know what I don't know if they randomize. Like I I think I read somewhere that that the the, the quick fire challenge they randomize so it's not like they they line up all the dishes and you go one by one by one by one it's like padma like goes to like the third table and then then the fifth table and then then like the the first table but like i'd imagine that there's a little bit of a, a disadvantage by being like the 13th dish by the way at 2 a.m serving it like i i got to imagine i was Kevin, I was gaining twenty pounds just watching this. Wait, who who was the thirteenth dish? Do we know? Were they they might have been done in sequence, but you know, it's very possible they didn't do it. So yeah, that's my question. Is I'd imagine there's a little bit of a, a handicap here if you're if you're the thirteenth dish on a dessert menu for thir- for at two thirty in the morning. That's got to be tough. And um, you know, let's talk about Kevin here. All right, so Kevin does uh, the ricotta dish again. It's too salty, as as Coach Brandon says. Um, Tom has the critique that if it's not good or if it's not, if it's too salty, don't serve it at all, which is kind of one of these old, um, well, I mean, what are you supposed to show up with? No, nothing on the plate. You go, that's my thing. That my thing is, uh, this has come up a lot. I feel like it's one of the old catchphrases in top chef is if you knew it wasn't good, why did you put it on the plate? And my thing is, what is the guy supposed to do? Walk in with nothing. Like if if this dish is, is the ricotta. He's got to put it out there. Exactly. I mean, I get the principle behind it and, and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I mean, he's got to go out there. But the bottom line is he did a, a really awful uh, dessert, as did as did Brian and, and Pablo. Uh, though those were the bottom three. Pablo was sort of uh, – even before they, they made the announcement, it was sort of regarded as, as the distant bad third. So he was safe essentially. Um, you want to talk about the top three? Uh, not a coincidence that two of the three chefs in the contest who have very specific pastry experience, yep. Kelsey and Nini, were both among the top three. They were joined by Eddie, who did something you would never touch, but I looked just to me, the aforementioned strawberry almond crumble fennel thing. Uh, and Kelsey did, did a pot de creme. She was kind of screwed by the oven situation. Macaroons require this perfect like science to get right. So she tosses them, ends up doing a pot de creme and, 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 and biscotti. Uh, Repair calls it his favorite dessert of the night. And Nini does this blackberry and lemon vacherin, which I, I didn't know. It's just basically yeah, a no idea what cream that was. and meringue and something. Cream and meringue, just very simple cream meringue components and some fruit and that's a vacher. I never heard of it. Never. Uh, not my thing. French desserts. And uh, oh, Nina is. And she took Nina's it down. A five tool athlete, man. She, she is, took it down, Tom. She, she took it down. Is she is a juggernaut. I mean, she's got the pastry dish background. She, her and Kelsey is the smug pastry girl club. Kelsey's already selling those shirts uh, right now on on Instagram. Like they they have the dessert thing going right now and. Uh, Nini's just she's got so many different she is a, a, a Swiss army knife right now so I'm I'm very proud of Nini she she cleans up she gets the uh, the top three in the quick fire challenge and then she wins the the uh, elimination challenge for a total of 11 points I'm feeling re- see like Nini both of Nini's dishes kind of look like finger foods they didn't look like you know a full conceived dish in terms of like a uh, you know one was a dessert and the other one was like a cheese dish um but man, she knocks it out of the park on both of them. So uh, I was surprised. I thought I thought uh, I, I I didn't know if she would she would take that because I just I don't know. It, it looked like a toffee brittle thing. Like it didn't look like it was going to be the winner. But uh, obviously you can't taste it. So we're just we're trusting the judges here. Nini's coming out top. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, just I want to survey the field real quick. But we'll talk about quick uh, or last chance kitchen rather. Um, Michelle Minori has sort of faded, um, kind of not doing anything exceptional the last couple of weeks. Uh, she came, if you remember, she's one of my, uh, one of my, uh, very high aspirations for her. She came out of the box with a carrot top tagliatelle that was just with, with sumac and, and a Burberry. And I was so into it. Hasn't done much. Uh, Eric, once again, very quietly might've had the fourth best dessert. They really liked his, his Ghanaian beignet. Uh, he's done some great looking stuff, everything from, uh, you know, the scallop crudo and, 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 and last week did some good, good things, uh, you know, 
So he he's sort of hanging hanging around, hanging around. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to kind of following him. Hasn't finished in the top three, but but continues. Like I think has gotten thumbs up. He might be one of the only chefs who literally probably has been in the top half of the standings if you actually ranked one to 14 every single challenge so far. So he's consistently playing good ball. Um, you know, Kelsey's interesting. She's she's gotten some commendation. She was picked toward the bottom of our our draft, but but seems to be holding her own and, and has, seems to have some skills. So uh, she's somebody to watch. I worry about Brian Young. I know he's hipster Joe Flam. I don't know that he's Joe Flam in any other respects. Uh, I love his sort of self-deprecating. He's a great character on this show. Yeah, he's, he's a funny. great character he's a on the show. Dude. Truth teller. Uh, just seems to really struggle to distinguish himself, and and uh, I'm a little concerned. Who's got there. better hair? They touched on it. The the, the curling iron or the flattening iron uh, hair thing in the beginning of the show. Well, as somebody who before my hair left had jet black hair. I'm I'm always kind of a okay. I'm partial to. Uh, especially I think in a pompadour, it kind of. You know, the, the black really kind of, you know, is, is stark um, yeah. like when it comes to pompadours and widow's peaks and whatnot. Like you, you like that, just that really bold black hair. Uh, last chance. Well, first, let's go through the scoring. Um, oh, you want to do I'm at 47. You're at 40. Um, Eddie is is your second or sorry, third best. You got 13 from David total. Uh, eight for Sarah. And then seven for Eddie and Michelle because Michelle was in the top on the first uh, or the second episode. On my side, I've got 21 points from Nini. 21. Man, she is just killing it. Then we have seven from Kelsey, seven from Adrian. uh, And Kevin goes out on his ricotta. Hey, buddy, Kevin, if you didn't do well on the ricotta on the first time with the beats, maybe don't go back to the ricotta. I know you want to be validated and vindicated, but man, um, that's tough. So... Kevin goes home, goes to the Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, Jim last week gets gets voted out, um, so he's out and has to go to the the stools of shame. Um, and then, uh, yeah, let's talk about this week's Last Chance. Um, so I think my headline with Last Chance is, and I, I emailed you this um, yesterday, I think Natalie has a real shot to work her way all the way back for this reason. Scream it from the tops of the mountain. Because last chance is a four-way contest this year. And I am just having trouble seeing a scenario where she is going to have the worst of four dishes. It's not the best. You don't have to have the best, even though she did have the best in this one. But you don't have to have the best. You just have to stay alive. And and, and to the point, um, she chose to make an omelet this week in the last chance kitchen was make a breakfast. Christmas breakfast. Um, and uh, we had Carrie Baird. We had Natalie. We had good old brother Luck, the the, the, the king of, of last chance. And uh, we had uh, – who the hell am I forgetting? Well, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Oh, the, the, of course. Of course. The new. And, um, and, and Natalie serves what, what Tom Calicchio, who's – probably done a lifetime of eating of omelets, one of the best omelets he's ever had. It's a technical, real challenge. I mean, omelet making is an art. It's not a scramble. And there's a reason a lot of our favorite restaurants now do scrambles. You know why? Because they don't want to futz with an omelet because it requires too much skill. Um, And I just don't see a scenario, Tom, where there are going to be four contestants and she's going to have the worst dish. I mean, I just don't see it. I mean, look, whether she becomes the ultimate last person standing, but I'm going to predict right now that nine weeks from today, she's going to be cooking up in Last Chance Kitchen, kind of motoring along because she is so skilled. And as long as you don't deprive her of an essential ingredient, is there anything she can't do? I mean, she's still probably one of the two or three best chefs on the season. And with the four-person non-head-to-head format where somebody can just blow you away with a great dish and even though you – you know, Tom's sitting there saying, ah, this was a tough one. I mean this isn't a tough one. I mean, she just has to beat. It's it's like you know when the bear's chasing you, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Now this one, you just have to run out, outrun one of the three other guys. Yeah. So yeah. I think Natalie's. I got to tell you, man. I think she is. She's going to truck along. Hey, you had offered. We had talked some trade. What does the winner of each quick fire get? Three points. Okay, and for quote moving on in quick fire, you don't get anything. You top three, you get one. Moving on in quick fire, I mean, there's no real moving. It's 
I mean, all right. So uh, are we talking about uh, last uh, chance kitchen or are you talking about quick? Fire? No, I'm talking about last chance. I'm talking oh, about last you say chance. quick fire. Okay. Oh, that's last I'm sorry, chance sorry, kitchen. Sorry. There's no winning bonus. It's just moving on plus one. Uh, and if you get eliminated, it's a minus one. So basically, even if she lasted eight weeks, the, her max haul would be plus seven. Right, but there's no like there, there's no net. She already got her negative, so um, it's all gravy in that sense. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's, I, just, I mean, it's a sweetener. So like, I'm what not is winning? This. What, is, what do you get for winning the the elimination challenge? Uh, for the elim- if you win the elimination challenge, yeah. it's ten points. All right, so there's just not a lot of value. I'm, I'm trying to you had, you had thrown her. She is available, as we say. She's and, not and, in the and, competition. It's hard to get, justify getting a bunch of points for not winning anything in the competition. It's it's a minor league system, right? Know? So there's just really no incentive to trade. I mean, we, we've we've we didn't even give any points to people last I mean, year. The only the reason is I would trade her. I would trade somebody who I think is literally going to be eliminated in the next two weeks and kind of flame out in last chance. Or Kevin, I'm not proposing this just yet, but all right. If I propose to you, let's just hypothetically, Pablo for Natalie and Brandon. So Natalie's a sweetener. You said you wouldn't do the Brandon trade before. But if I threw in Natalie as the sweetener, then things get a little bit different, doesn't it? Well, I mean, look, I've come around on Brandon as a personality and I suspect he's a very good private chef and he has a nice smile. But I'm not sure that he's going to have a positive point total. Like okay. he's going to take the minus five. I mean, it's fair to say he's going to be eliminated at some point. Um, he is not other than the pregnant lady thing. He has not proved to be a presence. <laughs> I don't expect to see him be top three. Okay. Like, here's the question I have to factor. Will Brandon finish in the top three of any elimination challenge before he is eliminated? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You, you think so? I, yes. I don't know. I, yes. I just – like Kevin, that's why, drafted him. Like, that's like why I drafted him seventh. I mean, the only way he him. does that is through like some team thing, right? Like he's on the winning team and all four of them and they get points for, you know, whatever. And, I, and I'm not trying to diss on him. I just haven't okay. seen the work in the in the elimination challenge. He's basically been near or at the bottom every time. So I don't I don't even know that Brandon is a net positive point guy right now in the tournament. Mm. And then you were offering Brandon and Brandon I give up and Pablo. Natalie. You give up Pablo, just a two for one. I'm not willing to cut bait on Pablo okay. yet. No pun intended. His tilapia, uh, crudo, just screamed brilliance, and, and I'm, I'm just not there yet on him. I think he's a good chef who's who's just run up against some just bad bad matchup conditions in terms of the challenges themselves. If I wanted but Sarah, who would you be who would you be interested in on my team? I'm not trading the Southern Jew. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm not trading the Southern Untouchable. Jew. Untouchable. I've been waiting for a Southern Jew in this competition for 16 years, man. Oh, I love it. I no love Southern it. Jew is being traded from anybody. Okay. All I, right. this is, this is, you're talking to somebody who grew up on Kugel next to Okra Gumbo at the table. Like this is <laughs> this is like this is for me. She is she is like I would I would get her jersey if there were Top Chef jerseys. Like, oh man. Um, I am all about the Paducah Jew. So there's there's no there's no nothing going on there. I'm, I'm all about the Paducah Jew. That's got to uh, that, put it on a yeah, T-shirt. That's it up on the starters. It. Yeah. This, um, hello to our friends at the starters who who lifted a sample from this show. Oh. Uh, amused me a great deal. So Justin, Justin and, and Eric are both guys who haven't gotten in the bottom or the top. It's just they're just they're just moving right along. Um, so and Eric in particular has just done impressive dishes and no one's had a, a not nice thing to say about anything he's done. Right. So they're kind of both, I think, sleeping dragons here where they're just they're they're crouching tigers. Um, so I think uh, let's real quick get excited for Restaurant Wars. They did they did a oh, uh, preview. It is early. Three restaurants for Restaurant Wars. What is going gonna... on in the Haberstro home right now? Oh yeah, they got we got the in-laws, the kids. I think this means I got to roll out here, Kevin. But yes, right. get excited right. for Restaurant Wars next week. We will see you at uh, Pack Your Knives this time next week. Um, Kevin, take us out. This is Pack Your Knives. Lovely.
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.